Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so excited to have Chef Adrian Richardson here on the show today. Adrian is the chef and owner of the bustling La Luna Bistro in North Carlton, Victoria, in Australia, a cookbook author of books called Meat and the Good Life, and the host of a number of TV shows, including one that I recently stumbled on called Secret Meat Business. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Chef. Gabriel, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Now, Chef, cooking was not your first love. You had dreams of becoming a pilot, and this somehow led you to becoming a chef. Can you tell us a little bit about how this happened? Well, Gabriel, my father was an airline pilot, so as I was growing up, my destiny was to sit next to him in the front of a plane and fly around Australia, but as I got towards the end of my schooling, I wasn't doing that well, so I decided to take a year off and do some flying lessons, but to pay for the flying lessons, Dad said, you know, you've got to pay for part of it, I got a job in a kitchen, and do you know what? I just really, really fell in love with being in a kitchen. To me, there's no other place I could be, and you know, I love flying in planes, but I like to sit there with a glass of wine in front of me, but you know, cooking is what it's about for me, and I'm so lucky that the flying actually helped me to find what I want so early. Perfect. Now, what was it about the kitchen that really drew you in, that sort of made you rethink your aviation dreams? I just love the hustle and bustle of kitchens. I love the people in kitchens. I love, you know, being able to cook for people. I love being around food and tasting food. And, you know, every now and again, I taste a little bit too much food. But I just love the environment. And to me, no day is the same. There's always something different going on. You're able to move around. And, you know, it's a fun life. And I really enjoy it. Right. Now, was there someone who really guided your pursuit to becoming a chef? Someone who really inspired you? Well, my family, I have a great background in food. My mother was born in Ethiopia, my grandmother in Cairo, my grandfather in Italy. That's my mother's side of the family. So there was a lot of North African and Middle Eastern and Italian food around. And we ate a lot. And my grandmother was the most amazing cook. The other side of my family, my dad's side, he was an English chef that was trained in France. And London and then came over to Australia. So I got that sort of that both sides of food, I suppose, that home style and that professional style. And to me, it's just a beautiful thing to have the two together. It's fantastic. Now, how would you describe your style of food or cooking? That's a very good question. My style of food is, I like to call it bistro, but I like to use a lot of influences from around the Mediterranean. I think there's so much influence there. I really like the ingredients, the people, the food, and there's so many different things you can do. You know, I spent some time growing up in Asia as well, I'm, you know, in, in Malaysia for three years, and I've traveled through, through Asia. I love Asian food, but that's more for home, so that's my secret stuff that I cook at home. But my professional style tends to be that modern Australian However, when I do TV shows, I often bring in some of those Asian influences because I think it is so much a part of Australian cuisine, you know, is the Asian food as well. Blending the two together, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't do that so much, but I love pretty much, you know, Gabriel, anything from all around the world, I'll eat. You know, it's probably all my style, but I like to present it in a simple manner that's easygoing and friendly and, you know, slightly challenging but enjoyable. That's probably what I'd like to say. Right. Well, I was just going to say, on the show, Secret Meat Business, you work with Indian flavors, European flavors, Asian flavors. You know, there was an episode where you were making Malaysian satay beef. Now, my father is from Malaysia, so those flavors are very close to me. You know, you had touched on this a little bit, but what cuisines do you connect with the most? 
I think, you know, just on the Malaysian influence, I hadn't been to Malaysia for probably 18 years and I was there a couple of years ago. And as I arrived, we got out of the car at the hotel. You could smell the spices in the air, you know, the satay that actually cooks satays for me. And it's just amazing. For me, I feel really connected with Asian food. I grew up eating Asian food. It's really important to me. But also you throw in there that Middle Eastern and that Italian food as well. I'm really connected with that as well. You know, that both of those things just get my mouth foaming. They bring back strong memories of my upbringing and my family and me as a young child. They're quite important things. And I think that's where food does bring back those memories. And that's what's important about it because you can have those satays and it reminds you of that time you're in KL you know, at two o'clock in the morning and you had the best satays in the entire world. That's what it does to you. Right, exactly. Now, your restaurant, La Luna Bistro, when you were working to become a chef, did you always envision one day owning your own restaurant? Yes, that was my goal. I think early on in the career, I realized that I just wanted to work for myself. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to set up my own bistro or business. And along the way, I tended to work for people who had already done that, owner chefs, you know, restaurateurs or chefs that had done really well, some of them really nice and some of them not so nice. But I sort of mapped my career path out to sort of follow these people, learn as much as I could from them and apply that to my own business. Oh, definitely. And the cookbooks and TV show, were these always part of the plan? Not initially. The cookbooks and the media stuff came about after a few years of business. The restaurant was doing well and I started to get a lot of attention. So I got a media agent and it sort of went from there. All of a sudden, you know, I did a commercial here for someone and then a small TV show came along and it sort of snowballed from there. But I love it. I really enjoy it. It's a good part of my life. You know, I've got the restaurant on one side and that's busy and that's fun, but it's opened the door to so many other things. As you've probably worked out, I'm not a very shy person. So being in front of the camera, in front of people and demonstrating is what I love. But an important part of it, Gabriel, is I like teaching people. I'm really inspired by, by cooking and food. And, and for me to be able to pass on a few tricks and techniques and a few dishes so that it can make your eating experience and your life better. So me, I really get that. I really like it. I try and keep it really simple so that you can listen to what I say and you pick up some stuff. And there's nothing better than hearing from someone across the other side of the planet who's seen this show and has been inspired by it. So to me, that's a really great thing. That's totally the thing. I definitely hope you do continue doing more TV shows because I really like the way you approach food and the way you approach teaching food. It's very accessible. Thank you. To me, that's what it's about. I mean, you can get really complicated and fancy with food and really stretch people's imaginations, but a lot of people can't achieve that. That's difficult to do. So I sort of like to fall in between where, so, oh, that's great. Hey, I can do that, you know, and really sort of make it easy for people to approach and tackle and challenge themselves to do it. I think that's important. We need to do more of that. Right. I think you're definitely a good chef for home cooks to follow. Now, chef, you wrote a cookbook called Meat. Your restaurant takes pride in dry aging and butchering on the premises. And you have a TV show called Secret Meat Business. Where did your passion for meat come from? I've always been around good quality meat. I think one of the things when I first started training, I was put into the butchery section of a kitchen and I just got it. It just worked for me. So I'd always had an understanding and being quite skilled at breaking things down in butchery. As I moved through different kitchens, it's a bit of a plum job. It's an important job in a kitchen. And so I was always put on that job. And to me, I just love cooking meat. I think it's an amazing thing to cook. You know, we kill an animal to eat it. So to me, it's really important that we understand exactly what we're doing, that we use every part of it. And that's what I try and do. That's what I try and teach. 
you know, for me, it's not about eating more meat. It's about eating better quality meat, paying a little bit more for it, but actually using parts that are not used and respecting the animal. You know, an animal's been killed. We've got to do the right thing and make sure we eat every single part of it. Right. Now, is it true that one side of your family is vegetarian? Yes. One side of my family is vegetarian. My father's side have been vegetarians for 50 years. I really like what they cook. They're amazing, amazing cooks. And I can spend weeks down there. You know, when I was a young lad, I would spend weeks down there eating nothing but vegetarian cuisine. And you know what? It is a really healthy way to live. But for me, I do like a bit of steak every now and again. Right. Now, I remember when I first moved out on my own, I was really scared to cook meat, especially chicken. Do you have any tips for someone to overcome the doubts of whether they know if the meat is cooked enough or if they're doing it right? Good question. I mean, cooking white meats like chicken and turkey and pork, you really have to know that they're cooked properly. One of the things that I would recommend is using a digital thermometer. I know that if you're cooking a piece of chicken breast, you sear it, you pop it into the oven. If you put the probe into the center of it, if it gets to 72 degrees Celsius, it's cooked. That's the scientific method, and it works with all types of cooking. But another way of doing it is to take it out, let it rest for a second, cut it open, and if it's pink in the center, if it's bloody, well, then you put it back in. But, you know, I reckon the, the scientific method, it works at the start. Then you probe it, you know it's cooked all the way through. But then, you know, when it comes to chicken breast, you want to make sure you don't overcook it. So cutting it nice and thin and breading it and a little bit of olive oil or ghee and cooking it, that's a nice way of doing it. With things like chicken legs and chicken thighs, you can cook them all the way through. Put some tomato, passata in it and some olives and some wine and, you know, you can cook it for an hour and a half. You know it's going to be cooked. But then when you touch it with your fingers or a fork and it falls apart, that's when you know it's nice and tender. And that's the best way. That's the best sort of advice. Perfect. Now, here at the Dinner Special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe a little bit about the story behind the dish? Something that's always special to me is my nonna's ravioli. As I said before, my grandmother was Italian, so I grew up, you know, a special occasion where she would make ravioli. And it's a beautiful thing, sheets of pasta, and she would fill it with some meat that she'd cooked with sauce, put some cheese and parsley and breadcrumbs in it and fill the ravioli and then serve it with the sauce. To me, it's one of the simplest things. I mean, you need a little pasta roller to roll out the sheets of pasta and it does take a little bit of time to do, but the end result is amazing. It's worthwhile taking the time to learn a dish like that. I mean, another thing you can start with is there's a recipe I have in my book for ricotta cheese gnocchi, which is a very, very simple gnocchi to make. It's just mixing a few ingredients, rolling it together, so you're able to make that gnocchi really quickly and it's really easy to do. To me, that's a great way to start. And once you get the knack of making that, well, then the other things will roll into it. You'll get a thirst for making ravioli and you'll move into it. But you need to get the confidence at the start by making a simple recipe. And to me, that's the way to start up with the ravioli. Every time I think about it, it's one of those dishes that makes me a little bit warm and fuzzy in my heart. Right. Now, is this gnocchi dish in the meat cookbook or in the other book? The ricotta cheese gnocchi is in The Good Life. But if you want to get it online, you can send me an email. Perfect. Now, if you could invite any three famous people over for either the gnocchi dish or the ravioli dish, who would they be? Probably the three famous people that I'd like. One would be Escoffier. He was a very famous chef. And a lot of what we do now stems from his cooking in England and France. And, you know, if I was going to cook a special dish, I'd like to have him at the table because he's a chef that I'd respect. Robin Williams. 
I've spent a lot of time watching him perform, and it was such a sad thing that he passed away last year. But he's someone that, you know, I'd like to give a little bit of pleasure back to him. You know, he's made me laugh so many times. I'd love to have him on the table. And of course, there's probably, you know, I'll throw at one of Australia's politicians, Robert Menzies, who's probably an old politician. He made some changes in Australia that, you know, he's an amazing politician. And I'd like to have him at the table as well. You know, they're three very interesting people who I'm sure would keep me very well entertained. Right. Now, let's say that you had your guest over and you were sharing this gnocchi or this ravioli dish with them. And you guys were going to do dinner and a movie. What movie would you pair with your gnocchi dish? I suppose I could be, you know, The Big Night. It's a classic Italian food movie. It's set in the 50s, I believe, and they're cooking some great dishes. But you know what? I saw a rush last night. That would be good. But you know what? I'd probably watch Walking Dead. If I had the choice, I'd probably watch Walking Dead. I reckon that's a great series. And we'd have our ravioli and then watch zombies being slaughtered. I think that'd be fantastic. Right. And Robin Williams will be doing impressions the whole time. (laughs) Can you imagine his commentary? Keep it hilarious. You couldn't stop laughing with him around. Right. Now, Adrian, you have a busy restaurant and have many projects on the go. Do you still enjoy cooking for yourself? I enjoy cooking for myself immensely. I really, really enjoy it. When I've got the time to actually grab a few ingredients at the local market, we have some amazing markets here. I can barely stop myself from buying produce and go home and make things. And if I can make it for some friends or family, I really, really enjoy it. I get it. When I go away on holidays for a couple of weeks, I take my big chopping board, I take my cooking equipment, my knives, and I cook. I love it. It's just, I enjoy cooking for myself. And sometimes I overcook and make too much food. I'm guilty of that all the time, but I just love it. Right. Now, I call the next part of the dinner special podcast, The Pressure Cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. Ready? Great. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I enjoy watching Rich Stein. I like the way he talks through what he's doing and he's got an amazing narrative voice. I also like Food Safari, which we have in Australia. It goes around lots of different cuisines and different nationalities. Fantastic show. Perfect. Number two. Within the last year, where did you have the best meal and what did you have? The best meal I had was in a tiny little dumpling house, dumpling noodle house out of Melbourne in one of the outer suburbs. And it was fantastic. They make the best dumplings there. It's in a broth with some chili oil in it. There's little old Chinese ladies that make the dumplings there and there's little old Chinese man that makes the noodles. It's so fresh and so clean. It's so cheap and one of the best meals I've had. Awesome. Number three, what is a professional chef tip that all home cooks should know? A professional chef home cook tip would be use salt. Put plenty of salt on your meat. Meat loves salt and salt loves meat. Make sure you season your meat because that's what brings out the flavor. Number four, what is something all home cooks should have in their pantry? In their pantry, I think they should have salt and fresh pepper. I think from there, you've got pasta. You've got to have pasta. You've got to have tomato passata to make some sauce. Of course, some butter and then some bacon as well. You're going to have to stop me here because I'll just keep on going. There's people ingredients and from those things, I can make anything. Perfect. Number five, name one ingredient you cannot live without. I would have to say fresh herbs. Fresh herbs and continental parsley is my favorite. Without that, I can't live. I need to have that flavor in just about everything I cook. Perfect. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? I use an old series that I think is still available. It's called The Good Cook Series? Correct. Time Life is the publisher and the, the Good Cook Series, that's the series, I think it's one of the best. 
Perfect. And finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? I've been listening to, I like heavy metal music. I'll turn that on and I'll play heavy metal music and my kids will run around and climb all over the place. I like cooking to that, but my wife, when she comes in, she likes it like nice and soft and gentle, like jazz. So one of the two is fine by me. Yeah, any artist in particular, or do you just have it on shuffle and go at it? I just have it on shuffle. Slayer was something I was listening to last week, and that was good. Iron Maiden's good. Metallica, they're all good. Congratulations, Chef Adrian. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. <laughs> thank you very much. Chef Adrian, thank you so much for being here on the Dinner Special Podcast. What's the best way for us to keep posted with what you're up to? And you can start with Twitter. It's Tasty Sausage. There's Instagram, which is Very Tasty Sausage. Facebook, you can just go to the Adrian Richardson page and there I'll be. You can go to our website, the lalunabistrowebsite.com.au and also adrianrichardson.net.au. So there's a couple of different ways to keep in touch. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chef Adrian, for taking the time to be here on the Dinner Special Podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure. An absolute pleasure, Gabriel. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.